Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Such is life in the sports world. We welcome you In the Booth for the final time for this uh, school year. Maybe the final time ever. Who knows? It's a going away sale today. We thought we would have a tearful goodbye version of the show and uh, probably should have just ended it the other day with Joe's flame out at the end of uh, Wednesday's program. That probably would have been a fitting conclusion to this particular program, but nope, there's one more on the schedule. We come to answer the bell today on a day where there is a whole lot of news as Max pointed out and the guys have been talking about uh, really for the last 24 hours, the bombshell dropped by Darius Baisley yesterday afternoon, certainly noteworthy and uh, worthy of discussion, and we'll get into that over the course of the show today. In the Booth brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Toyota. They've been along for the ride for the entire year. Can't thank them enough for that. You're welcome to call us at 437-7644 or 4ESPN44 if you'd uh, like to chime in on the show. We had previously arranged Lisa Byington of uh, CBS and Turner, uh, who covered a lot of the uh, March Madness up until now to uh, join us on the show. We pushed her back a little bit in anticipation of some calls and the idea that we'll get into this uh, Darius Baisley uh, deal here and his news for the uh, first part of the show. So we will visit with uh, Lisa in the last segment of the show at about a quarter to three. She's been on the uh, Sister Jean beat and uh, certainly involved uh, with the Big Ten Network over the course of the season and uh, would have a keen eye on that first game in the semifinals tomorrow night, Loyola and Michigan. Thought we would play for you some Dino Babers uh, spring football practice sound, and maybe we'll get to that. But uh, first on Darius Baisley, and this one uh, shakes the foundation, right? And it's, uh, again, what we've been talking about for a lot of this recently, and we're going to stick by the same guidelines with the conversations that have come up of late about Tyus Battle and whoever else. It's not for any of us to weigh in on or be able to tell these 17 and 18 year olds what they should do. I do think we have the opportunity, though, to react a little bit to the decisions that are made. And this one, um, I think, really shakes the ground as we know it as far as uh, Syracuse basketball is concerned. Everybody's so encouraged about what's to come next year with Darius Baisley, who's uh, one of the top recruits. Really in program history, uh, one of the first top 10 type guys or top 15 or so that has been uh, landed by this program in recent years and was uh, one of the big sources of tremendous optimism for next season. There still is plenty of other reason for optimism, particularly if Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett are both part of this team and if it can field the same starting lineup next year as this year. But let's not get confused, and I've sifted through some of the Twitter reaction, some of the uh, Syracuse.com uh, commenter reaction, which is always uh, kind of treading into a pretty nasty pool in a, in a lot of cases there. Let's not do this game of, oh, he's going to be a failure. We didn't need him anyway. We're better. No, you're not better off without him. No, you're not. 
Okay, he's a baller, and that doesn't change with this information. Saw somebody say, "Oh, gee, he he wasn't going to start at Syracuse." Yes, he was. He was going to start at Syracuse, and he was going to be uh, a heck of a player here, likely in a one-year scenario. Now we know he's opted to go off into new waters in his own regard, going straight to the G League. I think there's a lot of factors of this. Do not underestimate that I think this is the type of guy, Darius Baisley, that is going to take pride in being a groundbreaker or a trendsetter. Who knows if people will follow him? Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I think the NCAA and the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association, the Players Union, will get together. There will be a shuffling here of how players bridge the gap between high school and the NBA going forward and whether Darius Baisley gets credit for that, you know, being part of the way that the system was broken and reshaped, uh, we will find out. Let's deal a little bit in facts at start, and I know there's a couple callers uh, coming in, and we'll ask uh, just them to be patient. We'll get to them very shortly here. Here's what we, we think we know. Darius Baisley will, obviously, he's not eligible for this year's NBA draft. After the NBA draft, there is a G League draft. He will be eligible for that under the restriction that he's not going to play in the NBA next season. He will be on a G League team. There are 26 G League teams. All are affiliated with NBA teams. Okay? And they range from basically playing in cool places like Los Angeles or close, Austin, Texas, or they could be Erie, Pennsylvania. They could be Portland, Maine. They could be Des Moines, Iowa. They could. So there's a pretty good range there, as there are in college towns, for that matter, in terms of where you can go. The max salary for a G League player has been thrown around a lot uh, in the media and on this uh, radio station here in the last uh, day or so, of course. $26,000 is all he will make as a member of the Austin Spurs or whatever. Well, that's in terms of the paycheck he gets from the team. He can be taken care of by an agent now. He's a pro basketball player. So one argument I had in mind is when you go to Duke, Syracuse, Kansas, Kentucky, Indiana, Michigan, whatever you want to claim is big-time college basketball or Power 5 school, they're allowed, we won't go into the whole deal here, but they're allowed to paper these guys up a little bit within the rules, okay, that you have walking around money. You have very few expenses as well. The amount of money that can be put in your pocket when you add it all together, it's not that big a gap between that amount and 26K, and obviously nobody's making huge groundbreaking decisions here on the basis of 10 grand or something like that. That's uh, chump change for what Darius Baisley is going to be set up for going forward. He's still more than likely, barring some sort of injury or uh, catastrophe, he'll be a top 10 pick or a lottery pick at least, in the 2019 NBA draft. You look at the salary structure, if you're picked in that neighborhood, if you're in the top two, three picks, nobody thinks he'll be that high, that's 12 to $15 million on your contract guaranteed over the next three years. Short of that, it drops off quite a bit. Let's just pretend he's going to be the 10th pick. Well, that's something in the neighborhood of a $9 million guaranteed contract in the 2019 draft. I don't think his draft position is going to be impacted at all by whether he went to Syracuse or whether he's going to go play for the 
Erie Bayhawks or whatever they're called. So that's not part of the discussion. We can come back to some of the various uh, aspects of it. Uh, certainly it makes a big impact on Syracuse. It's uh, the type of thing that if somebody's going to blaze this trail, you would love to, I think, from Syracuse, you'd love to be able to say, you know, let them go do it at Kansas or Texas or Alabama and and watch how it impacts uh, somebody else before it's uh, impacted uh, Syracuse because obviously it uh, shakes some plans that people had around here for a very good uh, Syracuse basketball team for next year. So, Jake, let's go to uh, Jake on the phone first. Hey, Jake. Hey, Matt. Um, you said in the opening this is ground-shaking for Syracuse basketball. This is ground-shaking for all of college basketball. And how many times do you think this morning Coach K called the top three recruits in the nation and, and just said, hey, you know, are you going to follow this kid's lead? What are you going to do? Um, the silver lining, Syracuse brings back the starting front court from a Sweet 16 team. Would have been a lot nicer to see, you know, Dolezal coming off the bench to spell Baisley or Percet. But, you know, try and stay positive. Don't, you know, don't tie the nooses, everybody. We're going to be okay. Um, but if, if the D-League, which I've heard of, or excuse me, G-League, decides to raise their minimum pay, which I've heard discussed, to make the G-League more um, attractive than, say, going to Europe, you're going to see a lot more kids making this move to stay out of FBI, you know, phone calls and probes and stuff like that. Just go make your money if they don't change the one and done. Well, thanks for taking my call. You bet. I, you know, I think there potentially could be something to that. You know, my background is in baseball. I've worked more in baseball, really, than anywhere else. And that's kind of the sort of starting thought process I have. But the difference in baseball and a lot of these other sports is you don't, you can get drafted out of high school, but nobody is major league ready out of high school in, in either baseball or football. In basketball, you can find a, the occasional guy, and as Coach Beheim would be the first to point out, yeah, there might be two guys or three guys a year. Certainly LeBron James, is. everybody could lay eyes on him immediately and say, yep, this guy can hang in the NBA tomorrow. Most people cannot, and so it's a matter of, hey, you're going to have to pay your dues somewhere. And if you're climbing the minor league baseball ladder, you know that it's just part of the deal that you're going to be in the California league riding buses for a summer, uh, you know, for a year. I don't know that basketball people view that as part of the deal. They don't look at that as their choices because the way you're sort of treated and dealt with for the most part at the major college level is better. Like it's, it's, Better to be a Duke Blue Devil or on the uh, Syracuse Orange than to ride buses for the Grand Rapids Drive and play in front of 2,500 people in an arena. I don't think anybody's going to debate that. Darius Baisley probably wouldn't debate that. But it's there are other factors, obviously, in terms of the uh, fiscal situation, the way that he can be taken care of. The You don't have to keep up the ruse of going to class if if uh, that's not something you uh, that's part of your life or part of your interests and uh, this sort of speeds up the process of becoming a pro player without going to Europe now now you're playing against grown men in a foreign land you're in Latvia and you're running up and down against uh, 28 and 30 year olds you can make more money over there but the uh, sacrifices are more significant as well so Rob in Central Square let's go to Rob hey man how you doing today Good man, how are you? 
too bad. I just had two quick points. Um, first one is I think part of the I, I think part of the reason why he is going to the G League instead of college. He's he can he can make some money. You look at people that aren't student athletes; they can have jobs while they're going to college. He can't. He gets very. I mean, like I understand the difference is it isn't great. I think he's kind of looking at it like that. And I also think this might be in a weird way part of an, a, a result of the, the 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 Lonzo and Lamar the ball. Like like his, Mr. Ball, he turned everybody. He made his kids think that like you're no you're not property. You you are in control. You're the one that's making the money. And I think this kid like thinking to himself, you know what? I'm taking control of this myself. So I think you're going to start seeing a lot more people make this jump. Well, I, I think you might be onto something there in as much as these kids increasingly more now as it happens around us in society, as they get more and more mature. You know, an 18-year-old now is is more mature in a lot of ways than an 18-year-old was, you know, 20 years ago or 40 years. You know, there's different trade-offs. I mean, 18-year-olds 50 years ago were going to war, you know, in, in different, uh, different situations. So let's not make it out to be that. I think... Your starting premise is in the right ballpark, but not exactly right. He's not doing this because he wants to work. You know, in other words, if he was allowed to work at the mall while he was a, a Syracuse basketball player, that nobody cares about that. They don't want that. That's that's actually work, and it only puts a, a few dollars in their pocket. He wants to speed up the process of becoming a professional basketball player. He wants to devote his time solely to that and have no distractions from that. And you can sort of understand where a guy is coming from in, in that regard and, and almost uh, envy him. I think, you know, the the next thing to find out for me is will this kind of be a trend? I think I, I one of my first thoughts yesterday was for Alan Griffin, who, you know, right around the time he got this job was able to steal the deal of, of bringing Darius Basley here and – with that, uh, seem to be locking up, you know, the best part of the class for a long time. When do you really feel like he got a guy locked up now? At minimum, you're going to have to look at when these decisions are made, when these commitments are made. And uh, the problem with the NCAA is they do a lot of these things for competitive balance among the schools. A lot of, you know, there's this... Uh, misconception of providing a legal or I'm sorry, a level of playing field, the NyQuil and uh, DayQuil are kind of taking their toll on me right now. But uh, the fact of the matter is the playing field has never been totally equal and the NCAA can't really come out and say, you know, you sound whining here. If you say, look, you can't let a guy go pro because we want him for our team to be good. And uh, it puts the NCAA in a tough spot. A couple of callers on the line. Hang on, keep them coming. Back with more as we continue, including John Sterling's first calls of uh, the Giancarlo Stanton home runs. He was able to dust that off twice out of the box on opening day. We'll squeeze that in, time permitting today in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Tomorrow, Syracuse lacrosse back in the Dome to face Notre Dame. Face off at 5, Arch pregame 430 on TK99 at ESPN 1200. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse, brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Toyota. Working our way through some phone calls. Stephen North Syracuse waited through the break. We thank you. Hello, Steve. Well, I'm, I'm sorry this is your last show for at least a while. I'm sure there's plenty us. to talk about the next six months. You're but, not kidding. Uh, 
but uh, I, I do hope you will come back and also tell them to make sure and print the schedule of the coaches show uh, before the first show next year, so I'll know <laughs> when to tune in. I was in a miniature golf place when your first show Uh-oh. started this Don't year. want to catch you off guard. <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, uh, one of the things that has happened uh, on, uh, on the Internet, especially SyracuseFan.com, where I, uh, where I post, is that a lot of the Bayheim bashers who had to be silent during the NCAA run have now come back out uh, from, their, uh, from their caves and uh, their interpretation of this is that this is just another example of uh, Beheim and his uh, his personal manner driving kids away, and that's why we have pe- uh, we have all these people jumping to the NBA and transferring out. And now this happened be- because of this. I don't think this has anything to do with anything like that. I think somebody made a deal with Baisley, probably down at the McDonald's game, to to uh, to tide him over. Uh, and uh, as long as uh, he, he, they become his agent or they become his shoe company, something like that. And I think we may see more of this kind of thing. But do you see any pattern over the last few years as we've lost a lot of guys to the NBA and, and, and some from guys transferring out to it having anything to do with personal relations with the coaching staff? I, I don't. The short answer is I don't. What I think is happening here, Steve, at Syracuse is – you're just in a position to be impacted by all of the different ways that a guy would go pro or move on, right? So Syracuse doesn't typically recruit or land the surefire one-and-dones like Marvin Bagley and people like that that of recent years have gone to Duke, Kentucky, to a lesser extent, Kansas. But they do get really good players that when they have the opportunity to play and thrive here, work their way into being one-and-done players. Tyler Ennis, Malachi Richardson, etc. Everybody didn't think they were that going in. So those have had a little, there's a little bit of a setback to that. Plus they're also used for recruiting. It goes both ways. But Syracuse is in that category of school that has that type of player that it's almost only a loss because you can kind of lose those players and they're not so obviously a one-and-done that you're recruiting right behind them. I think that's a challenge. Uh, I don't think it's a big secret that when you come here, you get coached hard, and that's not for everybody. And so if a Torian Thompson, you know, I think would be an example of somebody who left, you know, for that reason, then you're going to lose some of those. I mean, that happens in a lot of different programs. And I don't think Darius Baisley falls into either of those two categories. I think it just so happens that he's the kind of guy that feels like this is a fit for him. Maybe school is not a fit for him. And even more than that, that the idea of being the first one to sort of show the way here. One thing I really don't agree with is I find it hard to believe that anything happened this week at the McDonald's All-American game. I think this is not a decision you make that capriciously. And by the way, we, we've been blustering the airwaves here for 24 hours about this. I don't know that anything has really been binding just yet. You know, in, in other words, maybe he, there is an opportunity for him to be uh, have his mind changed on this. How well has he been advised in this type of move? Until he hires an agent, he's not really committed to an option or, or closed the door here. This is a guy that previously committed to Ohio State, uh, got out of that with a coaching change there, committed early to Syracuse, uh, relatively speaking, 
and now has uh, changed his mind again. I heard somebody on an earlier show call in and say, "Well, he shouldn't be allowed to do that. He, you know, he's sound. He's signed a binding letter. Well, the letter has bound him to not go to any other school. The letter's bound him to come to Syracuse. It doesn't bind you for life. He could decide not to pursue professional basketball or basketball ever. He could decide to do nothing or, or go into some other uh, line of work or hobby or, or whatever it might be. You can't force people to to come to college. So." Uh, Maybe a bit of a ramble there for you, Steve, but no, I think the people that have left here over time have left for various reasons that don't all necessarily come back to the same thing. Let's go to uh, Dan up next in – do you want to do Jarrell there, Paul? Jarrell and Clay is next. Hello, Jarrell. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you? Um, not, not bad. Thank you. This, this Baisley thing, to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a kick below the belt. I mean, it's really um, – it's a tough one to take as an SU basketball fan. Not going to come out and bash the kid. Do I think he made the right decision? This is all new, this whole G League thing now. We'll see how that pans out when we wish him well. But from an SU basketball standpoint, I believe that with Baisley, the hype was there. The hype was there for this team to be a, a potential national title contender. He was that, I think, is a Marvin Badley effect that he had with Duke that this guy could have with Syracuse. It's a big loss. And I think for people that said it will be fine, yes. We will be fine. Well, you might have gone from like a two seed to potential six seed. You might go from five loss team to a ten loss team now. I think he had that much of an impact on this team. I and would... that's, that's what stinks about. We'll never know. It's kind of like we lost Winford Walton. You'll never know. It's too bad this happened. And of all the all, uh, McDonald's All Americans out there, the one guy chooses Syracuse. So, yeah, as you fans feel slated, feel upset about it, it is what it is. It stinks. I mean, I, you wish it didn't happen. I would have loved to see this guy on campus. I really felt that next next season would have been a special season. It'll be a good season, I believe, but you you lose some of that mojo going into the offseason. That's what thinks about this from a fan point. But no one should be bashing the kid for his decision and going on Twitter. That's my rant. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, Terrell, and I'm uh, almost 100% with you. I think your, your numbers and your guesses there are uh, – pretty much on. I wouldn't use Winford Walton as an example. I don't think he had a standout college career. He resurfaced at Fresno State. I don't think he had much of a, a pro career at all. Uh, Darius Basley's going to have, you know, he's going to be a high draft pick and uh, you know, figures to be a, a pretty strong pro prospect. Here's one thing. If you want to feel good about it, if you want to put your head on the pillow heading into this uh, Easter weekend or Passover and feel good about it tonight, Look, when Syracuse has been preseason top 10 going into the year, they typically haven't made the Final Four. When they have made the Final Four, it's been with the expectations being down a little bit, and they would be bringing back a lot from uh, a team here that, that had Sweet 16 experience this year. The uh, the thing that I, I find difficult about the, the G League for a, a kid his age is if you can't tell me that playing in the G League playoffs could even remotely compare to being in the NCAA. No, tournament. I don't think he's claiming it is. I know, but just just you're as a kid, he's robbing himself of that chance to play in that tournament and be in that spotlight. And that alone, I don't know, maybe playoffs start tonight, though, Paul. Are you excited? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Could I can't yeah. imagine who, who's Iowa Des Moines? No, you play? got the uh, you got. Let's see, the Sioux Falls Sky Force. They're in the playoffs. Uh, let's see. Tonight we've got the uh, Grand Rapids Drive against the uh, Raptors 905 at the Hershey Center in Mississauga. That's uh, O'Shea Brissett's hometown. 
And then you've got the Texas Legends against the uh, Rio Grande Valley Vipers at State Farm Arena in Hidalgo, Texas. I'm guessing the travel's a lot better at Syracuse, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tomorrow, exciting G League playoff action. The Lakeland Magic visit the Erie Bayhawks at Erie Insurance and Erie PA. And that'll be followed by uh, Oklahoma City actually plays at the same arena as the Thunder, so there's uh, no joke in that. That's uh, Oklahoma City against the uh, South Bay Lakers, previously known as the Los Angeles Defenders. A little smaller crowds, though, for the... Uh, correct. Tomorrow in uh, NBA playoff action. That's one of the things we saw, uh, kind of his quotes, oh, I'll be around the NBA. He may or may not. I, I don't know that that's a given. Uh, they play 50 games in the G League in a year. How well you're developed... I'm not really sure. You're going to be playing against guys who have gone through the college ringer, have played three, four years of college, have maybe played overseas, have been older, have been pro players. They don't want you taking their spot, even though Baisley's probably a better prospect than uh, most anybody that will be in the the G League uh, this next season. But uh, he's going to be an 18-year-old going against grown men in a 50-game schedule that will be quite the grind. Dan in Syracuse next on the phone. Hello, Dan. Hello. Hey, uh, I'm going to look at it from an NBA standpoint. I think this is. I don't think the NBA is going to like this because he would have been coming to Syracuse playing for Bayheim, and I know people can say, well, I know people don't like Bayheim in this area sometimes and don't, but he's a great coach, like playing for Coach K. Bagley uh, improved probably so much just playing for Coach K. The man, they they don't. Of course, they don't like the one and done. They'd rather have these guys play two or three years in in college and get the correct coaching. So, from the NBA standpoint, I don't think they're going to like this. From the player standpoint, he's taking a big chance. Now, I've never seen him play, uh, but I didn't watch the McDonald's uh, game or anything. But he's taking a chance that if he doesn't develop, he may not be this top ten um, pick. And you're going to get guys that. I'd say uh, that shouldn't even think about this. They're going to start doing this. But I think from the NBA standpoint, this can't be good because they're not going to get the correct coaching that they need because they're going from high school, AU to high school. Are they really getting the coaching that they're going to need well, to get to the NBA? I appreciate the call. We'll, we'll turn you loose here as we're uh, overdue for a timeout. I don't know that that's necessarily an accurate assumption. They're coached by guys who are in the NBA development track here. What I think is a little odd is you know let's say he lines up on the the Oklahoma City whatever I just said they were so he isn't really going to be property of Oklahoma City or if he is he's learning their system and he's coached like their players are for the year but that doesn't really mean anything he'll be developed the the he'll be drafted the following year and, and eligible to be picked by anybody I don't think it's going to hurt his draft status you know barring injury okay. Because you look at a Michael Porter, who's going to be a top pick this year. He barely played college basketball this whole season. And in fact, many encouraged him to stay out You know, while uh, he was out for injury after playing two minutes in their first game. He came back in the uh, SEC tournament a little bit, and he's still projected to be a very high pick. I think there's some misconception around here that you know how players are scouted. The scouts are out there that you couldn't pick out of a lineup, and they're doing their homework. You don't need to have played in March Madness or to have, you know, put up certain stats in order to uh, show up on an NBA uh, profile and an NBA draft board. They they know what they're looking for. Let's head to a break. We'll get back to Joe. We'll get to uh, we got to get a little John Sterling on the program before we sign off. 
for uh, this particular season. When we come back, that's in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. Two-time Olympian, now an Olympic gold medalist, Kendall Coyne, who joins us now here on ESPN Radio. What I'll remember 10, 15 years down the road is being locked arm-in-arm with my teammates, standing there with our gold medals around our neck, listening to the national anthem as as the flag's being raised up higher than any flag in the arena that night. And on the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM and 1440 AM. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. I don't care on and drilled the deep right center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It is first Yankee at bat. John Carlo. Non si può stoparlo. It is a Stantonian home run. A two-run blaster right center in his first Yankee at bat. I didn't know it was that easy. The voice of John Sterling in his first home run call of John Carlo Stanton. Another one followed after that. It'll be a 3-2 to Stanton. Swung on and in the air to deep center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. His second home run of the game. John Carlo. No si può fermarlo. It's a Stantonian home run to dead center. A solo shot, and the Yankees take a 6-1 lead. Well, obviously I care about John Sterling calls. He's gone to a whole different level of ridiculousness here in in recent years, and he doubles them up. So he's got the Stantonian blast, which is his sort of uh, follow-up, a little more straightforward. I'm still trying. I'm scanning here. I want somebody to explain to me what this Italian phrase is. John, uh, they did some stories on this leading up to the season. What was he going to say for... Giancarlo Stanton home runs. First of all, Giancarlo is not of Italian descent, and that doesn't bother John Sterling in the least. <laughs> Did he say the same thing both times? No, I think, he, I think he changed it. I think what happened is his, he maybe, there might be a, there might be a, some translation or interpretation issues. Giancarlo, <laughs> He said it differently each There's no question. Plus, it's methodically, he doesn't want to screw it up, so he's kind of looking... Uh, here's okay. The translation is I can't speak of it or I have no words, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but they think maybe he was trying to say something different. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see if that, uh, that's a developing story. How about Giancarlo can hit the ball faro? <laughs> that's that would that's be so, so bad. much easier. That's so bad, but he has so like I couldn't rule that out because it's it's within his wheelhouse. I would think. Kevin Durant, but retur- uh, Giancarlo, those were absolute bombs. The second was his opening day, and the pitchers, a former Yankee, Tyler Clippard, and the center fielder, they didn't even move. Clippard just called for a new ball. Center fielder just stood there, and it was a blast over his head and into the restaurant and. Roger Center. Padres lost two to one. Shocker. In twelve last night, Chase Headley grounded into a six four three double play with the bases loaded Ugh. in the bottom of the eleventh. Only one day, one out of one sixty two. 
<laughs> Kevin Durant returned to the basketball court last night. He did not last long. The Golden State Warrior forward was ejected after picking up two technical fouls late in the first half. Durant had missed six games while recovering from a rib injury. We talked about this earlier in the year. I didn't see it. Don't really care. General rule of thumb. Really make these superstars earn it. Why are we ejecting these people? Doing Care brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's Love at First Slice. Final Four preview. We'll visit with our friend Lisa Byington of the Big Ten Network and uh, Turner CBS when we continue. We're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Don't miss the Upstate Lacrosse Show this and every Saturday at 9 a.m. Hosted by Syracuse University four-time All-American Rick Beardsley and News Channel 9 Sports Director Stephen Fonte. Covering men's and women's college, club, pro, and high school lacrosse teams from Central New York. Expert analysis, guest interviews, and previews of upcoming matchups. It's the Upstate Lacrosse Show. Saturdays at 9 a.m. on ESPN 97.7 FM. The Crunch are back home tonight against the Belleville Senators in the final matchup of the regular season series between the teams. Countdown to Crunch time starts at 6.45. Puck drop at 7 on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth coming to its tearful goodbye on this good Friday. Good to have everybody along with us. Final show of the school year for now. Maybe ever, but we thought it would be a fitting guest to bring this uh, program to a close, to a screeching halt, as we welcome in our friend Lisa Byington of Big Ten Network and Turner and the whole gang. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I, I'm good, Matt. You even got, like, the, the big-time voiceover guy for your show, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, we've had more than a couple of shows, so we figure we might as well do that, but it's, <laughs> it's been spotty. Well, I, I kind of feel for that guy. Congratulations. I don't know if it's short-lived, but congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you have to be our Loyola of uh, Chicago correspondent, uh, obviously a, a program we don't know as much about here, and uh, they've been the story of the tournament. I know you've been right there for a, a front row seat. We've enjoyed your visits with uh, Sister Jean and and uh, watching their games, and, and uh, it's got to be a lot of fun. You happen to live in Chicago as well, so a pretty cool town, uh, a time to be in that town, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, I'm wearing my Sister Jean shot socks, and I got my Sister Jean uh, T-shirt on. I'm staring at my Sister Jean bobblehead. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But, I mean, it's it's been remarkable. And, and as you know, I mean, you've visited Chicago enough and, and know enough about the city that this city is a really great sports town. And, and what makes this kind of special is that the city is not embracing – one of the professional sports, which is usually the case in Chicago, they're they're embracing this small little school that sits in uh, a neighborhood called Rogers Park, and, and they're embracing it fully. I'll just I'll give you an example. This this week, I was out and about doing some errands, and I was going to pay for parking, and I had this parking app on my phone, and I went to hit pay on the button, and when I did it, this alert popped up, and it said. Uh, Loyola is off to the final four. Congratulations, Ramblers. <laughs> I just just get on my Chicago parking app. So literally everything about the city is embracing this run. And it coincides with the opening day for the uh, the Cubs and the White Sox. Cubs got one in uh, Miami yesterday. So uh, that's typically what uh, draws everybody's attention in the Windy City at this time of year. But this looks to be an very easy team to like and to follow and, and set aside the, the aspect of the 98-year-old nun who's uh, been the face of the school and the, the program. That's really cool. It's kind of fun that they're able to uh, make a buck for the school, and, and she's been happy to uh, have her likeness out there to the benefit of the school, which she's given so much time and, and uh, devotion to. 
but the the team itself, Lisa, I think is fun to watch. Boy, they they're fundamentally sound, a tremendous offensive team. They won their conference by four games in the regular season this year, and seem to be as well balanced as maybe any team in the tournament. Yeah, and I, I think that what that's what opponents are realizing that it's tough to beat Loyola because they have so many heroes. I mean, you look at just their four games right now that they've played in the NCAA tournament. Dante Ingram was the hero of the first round. Clayton Custer hit the shot in the second round. Marcus Towns was the guy to go to in the in the third round in the Sweet 16 game against Nevada. And then Ben Richardson in the Elite Eight game comes up with a career high. So you, it, they're not like a typical team, like you said, where you can really key on one guy. They're, they're very, very spaced out with their offense. They understand their system. Uh, Porter Moser is a he's a Rick Majerus disciple, and he always likes to use the phrase with his Rick Majerus sort of accent where he says, you know, offense is spacing and spacing is offense. And he has taught that. He has drilled that into his players time and time again. And, and now he's seeing the benefits of that in, in terms of buying into a system and his players buying into what he's teaching. Lisa Byington's our guest, did a great job of the March Madness uh, coverage as a sideline reporter on the uh, CBS and Turner teams, also involved with the uh, Big Ten Network throughout the year, so we'll ask her about uh, Michigan here in a moment. Loyola, uh, their leading scorer, you mentioned Clayton Custer, averages 13 points per game. They have five players in double figures, so uh, that's balance. When you've got five players that average between 10 and 13, then you're not uh, super reliant on any one player. They're obviously playing their best basketball of the year to this point, and an 11 seed getting to the Final Four, which is uh, pretty historic. And now they square off, Lisa, against Michigan, who I, I would imagine the unattached uh, Syracuse fans in this area are rooting for Coach Beeline, who has his connections at LeMoyne, and his uh, son uh, is currently the LeMoyne coach and obviously on his way up the coaching ladder here at some point. And, and that's another team that uh, really is playing its best of the year, super hot and fun to watch. Yeah, you know, I didn't know actually that there were Michigan fans outside of people who actually rooted for Michigan. I thought the whole country <laughs> was rooting for Loyola. Uh, yeah, I don't I know. They, they may they'll put it to the test. Right, right. No, I mean, Michigan is, is a perfect example of a team that is peaking just at the right time. And, and a lot of it, and I think this has been talked about at nauseum is is their defense and especially the backcourt of Michigan. I feel like um, the perimeter defense has has made a huge game. You go all the way back to when they played Michigan State in the conference tournament. Xavier Simpson, Muhammad Ali, Abdul Rahman, uh, Charles Matthews were extremely extremely critical in that game, and and it just kind of that momentum that they gained in the conference tournament. People were wondering with that extra week off because of the Big Ten tournament was pushed up a week, what that would do. Well, Michigan just picked up where they left off in the NCAA tournament. And I really believe this is one of Beeline's best defensive teams, um, that they just have that capability of taking teams time and time again out of their comfort zone. Well, he's a tremendous coach, uh, certainly widely regarded on the uh, offensive end of the court in terms of getting it done. And and we'd love to see – I think people here would like to see – Michigan move on in terms of uh, John Beeline and then the other two games. Did you have either of those teams? Did you, did you see Villanova during the tournament? Yeah, you know, I uh, I, I do some stuff with Fox, so I there was just kind of the Big East uh, sideline reporter for the, the men's tournament, and you know, I kind of equate Jay Wright and what he's done with this Villanova program, kind of equate it to what the San Antonio Spurs are. You know, they're just, um, other than Jalen Brunson, who obviously he got player of the year, and, and, and they've had a Josh Hart, 
but they don't really have a whole lot of flashy players in their program, right? And, and so I, I kind of equate that to what the San Antonio Spurs are and the fact that, again, they're another team and they're another program that understand their system. And I really feel like they just go about it with the right way. I mean, if, if you show up to their practice, uh, it doesn't matter who you are. If you're the local beat reporter or, or a national TV person, um, Jay Wright will have this team walk over and each player introduces themselves and, and looks you in the eye and shakes your hand. And, and, and that's where it starts with him. It starts at kind of that ground level and he builds it up to get quality people in his program. And, and that's why you've seen consistency with Villanova a year in and year out. Yeah, big uh, reflection on him. He's done a quality job. It's, as we've talked about this week, it's the all good guy final four when it comes to the coaches. And uh, we appreciate the time, uh, Lisa. Good to have uh, you on the show here before we uh, send it to bed and uh, wish you a great uh, Easter weekend, okay? All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, school's out now officially for you then, right? A little bit, yeah. Clo- as close as it can be. Let's put it that way. <laughs> thanks for having me, Matt. <laughs> All right, you bet. Thank you, Lisa. Lisa Byington of uh, Turner and Fox and Big Ten Network, et cetera, works hard, does a great job there in Chicago. Wanted to give you one soundbite here that we kind of teased throughout the week, Coach Babers, on Rex Culpepper, and it sounds like uh, good news in uh, Rex's world as he's completed his first round of chemotherapy with uh, what appears to be a testicular cancer that he's dealing with. I've been in contact with Rex. We're all we're all pulling for him. We said some prayers for him. It looks like everything's going really well for him, and we're excited about uh, him handling his treatment. I think he's with uh, there's some fantastic doctors in Tampa, and they'll be working with the doctors we have here in Syracuse, and it'll be a good deal, and we're looking forward to him coming back. So that'll be our last thought for today and on the show for now. Uh, heading into this uh, Easter weekend, our thoughts and prayers with uh, Rex Culpepper, Syracuse backup quarterback, and his family. For Joe Salzone, Pauly Sibilia, I'm Matt Park saying so long. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll be back in due time on ESPN Radio Syracuse.